0: Hello, hello my dear nerds and welcome back to another episode. Today I'm going to talk about some books that are perfect for autumn, so get yourself a cup of tea, sit back and I hope you can enjoy yourself. Let's start with the cozy one and keep the heartbreaking stuff for later. I recently read Tea Dragon Society and first of all, the books look gorgeous. The graphic novel was beautifully illustrated and I got the box of all three books of the series. Because I had to, it's just way too pretty and really cute. It's definitely a series to get cozy with a cup of tea and to forget the world exists. It's perfect for that. Our main character Greta, who wants to become a blacksmith, is out in town one day, where she sees a tiny dragon cornered by hungry dogs. Instead of chasing the dogs away, she gives them food and they leave the dragon alone. Greta then takes this little guy back home with her and takes care of the dragon's injury. She finds out from her mom that the dragon belongs to Hezekiel and Eric, two tea shop owners and she promptly brings the dragon, whose name she finds out is Jasmine, to her owners. There she is told that Jasmine is a tea dragon, meaning tea leaves grow out of her horns and you can brew some delicious tea with those. And sometimes you get to see the memories of the tea dragon through its eyes. Once you drink a cup of tea from their leaves, Greta becomes very interested in tea dragons and how to take care of them. Once she walks out to go back home, she meets Minette, the ward of her dear Eric, who is pretty shy and doesn't really speak to her in the beginning. Greta keeps coming back and learns the almost lost craft of taking care of tea dragons, and befriends Minette and the tea shop owners along the way. It's a really lovely story about friendship and finding yourself, with lots of diversity and awesome relationships. The people in this book are all very kind and helpful to each other. I kinda wish I could live in this world. I'd love to have a tea dragon. It would be a lot of fun. Anyway, throughout the next two books we discover more about the path of Ezekiel and Eric, and their former adventures where they travelled and fought monsters with their swords. We get to know more characters and it all comes together beautifully in the third book. Overall, a lovely story and if you want the perfect book for autumn, I recommend this one. It's gonna make you feel warm and like nothing bad could ever happen. From wholesome to devastating. If tomorrow doesn't come, the next book. It starts with Avari, who one day decides to jump into the river near her college campus. But before Shinka knew that, she gets one of those emergency alerts on her phone. An asteroid is headed for Earth and there is no way to stop it. There are nine days left before the impact. Right afterwards, her best friend Cass calls her crying and panicking. To avoid hurting her loved ones even more, Avery decides to not follow through with the original plan and runs back to the college. There everything is pretty chaotic. Students are running around, grabbing their things and getting into their cars to leave for their homes. Avery and her roommate find some space in the car and together they're on their way back. Avery and Cass meet and somehow get back to Avery's parents. Cass's family is somewhere on vacation and thus Cass can't meet them. Meanwhile, Avery's family has already kinda crafted a plan on what they'll do. They got food and together they built something close to a bunker in their basement. While it is obviously a story about surviving the end of the world, it's also a story about mental health. Avari has been struggling with many different things. She's gay for one thing and her parents have often shown that they wouldn't be supportive and that they believe it to be a face. Throughout the book we see snippets from the past where Avari was a quite popular girl in high school. And great at everything, only to struggle when she reaches college. We see more of the friendship between her and Cass and how they gradually fell for each other. This book is pretty heartbreaking and quite heavy at some places. It's well written, and I did enjoy the relationships between the characters, and I loved the way Avery grew as a person throughout the story. But Despite enjoying it a lot, there were some weird plot holes. At least it felt like plot holes. We see that the streets are pretty chaotic in the beginning. It's basically a miracle if you actually get to the place you wanted to go. But suddenly it's possible to make an hour-long drive to a different city and back again, And there was also another character, a professor who only seemed to be there to be a therapist for a few paragraphs. The ending also felt kinda weird and a little bit rushed. Regardless, I still enjoyed it and I might read some more books by this author, cause it was really well written, I, I did enjoy it. Now with the heavy stuff out of the way I'm gonna tell you about some more Discworld books. Also fitting for Halloween, the Tiffany Aching series. While it doesn't really matter what book from the Discworld series you start with, you should read this Tiffany Aching ones last. It has a really fitting and incredibly heartbreaking end. A nice final book written by Terry Pratchett. This series is about Tiffany, who is aching to go home whenever she has to leave to save the world, once again. It all starts with the book of the We Free Men. The first thing we see of Tiffany is how she uses her toddler brother, who loves candy resulting in him being always sticky, as bait to then chase away a monster by slamming its head with a frying pan. That is also the first impression a witch gets of her. She goes into town where she meets Miss Tick, the witch who has been watching her. From her she gets a total familiar because all witches need one. She returns home and meets the Necmach feagles, a fairy folk, although if you value your life you should never call them fairies. The Necmach feagle are all scottish and believe the world to be a paradise you get to live in after you die. I don't know if I want to know what the world the Necmach feagles think they come from is like. Nonetheless, Tiffany becomes acquainted with them and even visits their home. One day she discovers Wentworth, her toddler brother, to be missing. He was kidnapped kidnapped by the Queen of Fairies. To get him back she asks the Neck Macfiegel for help and together armed with a frying pan they take on the journey to enter the world of the fairies and get her brother back. There are five books in the series and all of them are hilarious. I loved the Mac Mac, Mac, Mac Macfeel, although I wouldn't want them to be around my flat since they have the habit of going through your things and stealing stuff. But they were the funniest part. I also loved Tiffany and seeing her grow up throughout the series was a pleasure. We got to know many more witches in the series and all of them were awesome. It was a lot of fun seeing them bicker and become friends or at least allies or just enemies. I left all of those books and the last one… well… the last book of the series made me cry within the first hundred pages. Something happened… I'm not gonna say what, but it destroyed me. What hurt even more is that there won't be another book… ever. The last book in the series. Shepherd's Crown came out after had passed away, and therefore he couldn't, o- couldn't go over it as much as he wanted. Regardless, this one is one of my favorite series from Discworld, and I gotta reread it someday. After I get over the heartbreak of the last one. Anyway, I've now read all of those Discworld books. I don't know what to do with my life. I mean, I can reread them, of course, but I won't experience a new adventure of the series of my favorite characters. And that's. that's kinda sad. Anyway, moving on. Saved the best for last. Although Tiffany Aching was also the best, but this one kinda takes the cake. Threats of fragile power. The trilogy that plays after the Darker Shades of Magic series. We finally get to dive back into this world and once again, Schwab does it so beautifully, I die every time I read one of her books. In a good way. I missed Cal and Rai so much. While it wasn't necessary to read the first trilogy before this one, I recommend you read them first regardless. Just because by doing so, you get to meet some of the characters and you get to know them and the world more. Anyway in Threats we get introduced new characters. Tess and her Net Pet Owl Vares named after Kel. Tess works in Red London in Haskin's shop. There she repairs clocks, locks and household trinkets. Indefinitely never anything illegal No illegal magical objects or anything never. Tess repairs all those not illegal objects with the help of a power. Tess not only has the power to see the threats of magic, but also to manipulate them and in doing so repairing one's broken objects. Tess ran away from home and she, wants, she, she just wants to live in peace and work in a shop. Until one day, a mysterious man with an even more mysterious object shows up at her doorstep and demands that she repairs it. Well, she does and tells the man that it'll be available to be picked up in a few days. She doesn't know what this particular object is, until she repairs it, only to immediately regret it. There's also Kurdika in White London. Born to a mother who wanted to sell her in the hope for some coin, she runs away into the forest where she stumbles upon the corpse of the king. King Holland of White London died, something the reader got kindly reminded of quite a few times. Sometimes later, there's an incident where, while defending her best friend, she releases some powers she never, never dreamt of having, revealing herself as an Antari. Some palace guards were witness to this and immediately decided to crown her as the new queen. An Antari is quite rare. They have the power to manipulate all elements and since White London just started to flourish, the palace guards didn't want to wait too long for a new ruler to arrive. Thus Kodika became queen with powers she can't really control. She celebrates King Holland as a saint and regularly gives her blood to the city. By doing so, she hopes to help the magic to fully come back. We of course get some of our original characters from the first trilogy back as well. Kel, my favorite, who together with Lila sails across the ocean. After losing his access to his magic in the last trilogy, he has to learn how to fight with daggers, something Lila eagerly teaches him on their journey, until they are given a mission. The Captain of the Floating Market was robbed of a dangerous object and she wants it back. After giving this task, Kel, Lila, and the crew get back to Red London to find the object and protect the king, because this object, well, in the wrong hands, it could re- it could mean the downfall of the king. The king of Red London, Raymarish, is the ruler and lives in the palace with his queen, their daughter Ren, and his boyfriend Alucard. When I read that Rai was married, I was kind of worried since he and Alucard are together, but I liked how Schwab did it. And I liked that Nadia wasn't mean about the situation. Nadia is the queen, by the way. Ren has basically two dads and one mother. That sounds awesome. Anyway, in London, a rumor is spreading a rumor of a group that plans the downfall of the king. The magic seems to disappear from London. And who else could be blamed but the king himself? The king who doesn't have any magic of his own. I love seeing the characters again. Ryan and Kel being brothers is always lovely to see. It almost makes you forget that, by the end of the third book, someone's probably gonna die. I'm really scared of what could happen. There was already a moment in the end of this book. That almost killed me. I'm scared of the next book, but especially of the first one, uh of the third one, sorry. I'm probably gonna need therapy after that. It's every single book that I've read of Schwab is kind of heartbreaking, especially in the end. And I'm really scared. This book was incredible though. I don't know what else to say. Schwab once again created some amazing characters and I loved how they all had their own stories and the way they connected with each other. It was so much fun to get back into this world. I love this. The way Schwab writes kills me every time. Her writing is so beautiful. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just repeating myself at this point. Schwab is just perfect. Did did, Did you know that I love her and her books? Well, now you know. You know, if in the third book, Kel dies, I will lose it. Because if Kel dies, Rai will die as well. Their lives are connected to each, to each other. Because of an incident in the first trilogy. And now, well, you, Rai can't be killed. You can't just stab him and kill him. You'd have to kill... Kel to kill Rai and I'm just really scared of what could happen. I mean if one of them, if they they die, I don't know if I would ever get over this. I mean there was already the death of another character in the first trilogy in the end that completely killed me and my friend. I'm just scared, but I'm also very excited to read the next book. But I'm, I i don't know if I'm more scared or more excited, probably both just the same amount. And that's it with this episode. I don't have anything else to say, I hope you had the spookiest Halloween and may the monster under the bed scare you tonight. And every night after that, that sounds fun. Anyway, bye, Um, read the fragile Third of power. Bye.